Welcome to Commerce Growth Lab, the community for commerce strategies and tactics. I'm your host, Franco Variano. This season, the podcast focuses on speaking with some of the most interesting and successful trendsetters, entrepreneurs, and leaders in commerce. Together, we'll dive into their unique stories, experience their highs and lows, and gain from their insights and experiences as they continue to shape this industry. About 1% of retailers were thinking about voice at the beginning of the year. And we just came out with the research report, which said that almost 50% of retailers are thinking about voice now. And that's in one year. Today, we're chatting with Ryan McInnes, the Director of Marketing at Voices, a voice AI platform for e-commerce brands. Ryan dives into the benefits of native voice platforms and brand identities. For retailers and brands of all sizes who are looking to stay competitive, not only against the largest player in the market, but also with the shifting landscape of buyers from millennials to the more experienced savvy Generation Z buyers. Ryan joins us to share his story, how he joined Voices and what their platform is all about, why Voices is so exciting for both B2B and B2C brands, and much more. So let's get started. Hey, Ryan. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Franco. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to have you on and really looking forward to, you know, diving into your story and what Voices is all about. But before we get into that, can you start off by letting us know a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? Sure. So I'm from a a town or a city, rather, just north of Boston called Lowell. And I went to college to be an English major. I originally wanted to be a teacher. And uh, as you can probably tell from what I do every day, it's a far cry from being an English major with the hopes of being a teacher, kind of being in in tech. But I kind of transitioned from wanting to be a teacher to wanting to be a journalist. And that's actually how I got into tech, where my first job out of college working at a software company called Acquia in Boston, my then boss was a, a reader of some of the articles I had written for the Boston Globe, the newspaper I had worked at. So it was kind of a, an interesting transition coming from you know purely journalism to kind of doing more of that content marketing and writing, but yeah, in the tech space. And that's actually how I got into tech. That's really cool. So I guess you kind of talked us through it a little bit, but where did your passion for tech and e-commerce really come from? Was it something that was always there for you? Yeah, so I think I was always the kind of guy that the way that our school was set up was that liberal arts majors were on one campus and kind of the STEM majors were on a separate campus. So a future in marketing or in the business world wasn't really in the cards from what I could perceive from being at school just because of we were very siloed campuses from each other. But it was one of those things where when I when I graduated, after I had a, a brief internship in the tech space, I thought maybe, you know, this is something I'd love to be a part of and learn more about. And I actually just jumped headfirst into a lot of local meetups and, and getting to know people locally. And the internship that I'd had in college was at a semiconductor testing company called Teradyne. And I did some marketing there. So I wanted to get more exposure into what kinds of other marketing roles there are in tech. So that's what I really learned most is just how how passionate everyone was about what they were building. And I thought the concept of building something was something I hadn't seen in any other industry before. And that's really excited me. So being able to couple the skills that I had being a writer and somebody who was passionate about storytelling with technology, how fast it was moving and what people were building and the problems they were solving was really interesting to me. And that's kind of how I had my, my first exposure with it. Wow, that's really cool. And so moving on from there and, you know, through some of your early roles to today, you're currently the director of marketing at Voices. Can you start off by telling us a little bit more about what Voices is all about and how you created the opportunity to join the team there? 
Yeah, sure. So Voices is a voice AI startup, and we're a platform that makes it really easy for companies to spin up native voice experiences. So if you think about the voice landscape today, you have assistants and the speakers. So that's Alexa, Google Home, uh, even Siri in the assistant space. And then the other side of it, you have like IBM Watson and Nuance, who, who bought Dragon, a speech recognition, and they kind of own that you know enterprise professional services side of the house with voice. And where we sit is kind of that, that middle layer where an API-based platform similar to Twilio or Stripe, and we make it really easy for someone to kind of come in, plug in their data or the information that matters most to their company or their business, and get an endpoint that enables them to have a voice search and a refinement and transaction in the e-commerce space natively in their digital properties, so websites, mobile apps, things like that, embedded into their, their brand right out of the gate. So that's what the company does. I kind of fell backwards into the opportunity where I had known the recruiter who was looking for somebody to fill this role through a friend and introduced me to some of the guys that were leading the charge on the business arm of things in Boston. So the company is based in Dublin, Ireland, and Boston is the the kind of go-to-market arm of the company. And so they were looking for more people to help build it out, and more specifically, someone who could get their hands dirty with marketing, who can really help educate the market on what's voice, what's voice AI, what does voices do, and, and how do we really get that message heard loud and clear so that we can start to generate some interest and then ultimately get our first customers and, and go from there. That's really exciting. And so what does the team look like in both Dublin and Boston? How long have you guys been operating in this space? We haven't had our first birthday formally yet, but our CEO, Peter Cahill, has been at it for a few years now. He spent you know, the better part of 15 years in, in the speech language and, and linguistics fields for his whole career. So he kind of launched this after working at University College Dublin and then spent you know, the last couple of years or so working on this product, this voice AI platform, and we launched it earlier this year. So the majority of the team, engineering, product, linguistics folks are kind of over in, in Dublin. And in, uh, we have an, a small team in Edinburgh which is our R&D arm. And then in Boston, the go-to-market team is where design, go-to-market, marketing, sales, really trying to help better understand how to make it a business and do some customer development and things like that. That's awesome. And so why is voice so compelling and what applications do you see for e-commerce specifically? Yeah, so I think what's really interesting about voice is that it does things that people can really relate to in terms of it gives you either time back or it makes your life more efficient. And where we tend to gravitate towards in, in terms of new technologies or innovations are things that do just that. So you look at you know the advent of the smartphone or even email or Netflix or these or Uber, like what are they doing? They're helping you find what you're looking for a lot faster. They're making you more efficient as a person. They're saving you time, all of those things. And voice is that interface that allows you to have a conversation with something, whether it's a speaker or an app or a voice assistant, that you can accomplish a lot more in a shorter amount of time. And it's way more natural than you pressing a button or typing a few words or going scrolling through a screen to really find out that answer that could have potentially taken half or, or maybe even you know 4x shorter the amount of time to find. Absolutely. And it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I want to ask, how do you guys see voice technology fitting in with messaging and bots? Is it a competitive experience or does it all just fit into the whole conversational commerce sort of umbrella experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's opportunities for both to coexist. I think if you think of like customer service and support, or even if you're looking for a marketing tool and sales tool like Drift that does lead qualification in that sort of bot experience on your site, I think there's a place for both. But in e-commerce, where we see the biggest opportunity is in mobile, and that today mobile search and discovery is really poor of an experience. So if you go to your favorite apparel site, maybe you go to Nike, or you want to go to the Ottawa Senators you know, site, and you want to find a particular thing, if maybe there's not a category 
category that a jersey is under or if you're looking for hunting gear or something like that, like very one-off things, it's very hard for you to find what you're looking for. And then also, if you know what you want when you come to a site, there's still a lot of tedious steps that it takes for you to find something. So if I'm looking for men's running shoes in size 12 that are under $200, it's a lot easier and much more natural of an experience for you to just say it as opposed to going through and checking off all of the boxes with such a small real estate for, for that experience, which would be the mobile device. So any commerce specifically where we see the opportunity for voice is to make that a lot better because today I think it's close to 80% of all traffic is coming from a mobile device, but the conversion rates are less than 20%. And the reason for that is because people just, you know, ditch the, the mobile device when they can't figure out how to check out or they can't find what they're looking for, or they feel like that experience is broken in some capacity. And so that's where we kind of see the coexistence of those two. That's very cool. So what are some of the initial customer experiences that you're seeing powered through this technology? Can you maybe give us one example for each the B2B and B2C industries? I'll start with direct consumer first because that's where our, our biggest focus has been. But I think the biggest experience is kind of like what I chatted about a minute ago, which is that search and discovery process on your favorite e-commerce site. So if it's you know apparel, if you're looking for shoes or you say I have basketball tryouts on Monday and I need you know a running shirt. And I need like basketball shorts that are large for men. So it's kind of like making that experience a lot easier to find what you're looking for because studies have shown that voice is actually three times faster than typing with your fingers. And it can be even faster when you talk about all the mistakes that people make when they're typing on such a small screen on a mobile device. But it's making those experiences where people are trying to find what they're looking for, particularly in companies that have very large product catalogs. So you look at you know some of the biggest companies in the world, like you get Target, Walmart, Nike, Lululemon, Under Armour, all of these companies that are selling a ton of stuff on their site that have to dilute that experience down to an app or a mobile screen that they kind of have to pick and choose what kind of things they want to give up for that screen real estate. So I think we see it as a technology where they can they can bridge the experience they've made with mobile as well as giving their brand the upper hand to make that experience for customers that much better because it provides a way, a pure utility play where they're going to a site and seeing, I either know what I'm looking for or maybe I don't want to use voice. It's a very opt-in experience. It's not like they're taking them to a screen with nothing but a microphone and they you know, just press a button and start speaking. It's very complimentary or what we call multimodal. So it complements, they can continue to type, they can continue to search as they would today, or they can use voice and uh, streamline that process if they know what they're looking for. That's the experience we see in B2C. So in B2B, we see the opportunity to really be in, you know, think about like Salesforce and HubSpot and those sales marketing tools being able to asking a system to recall what might have happened on a, a recent prospecting a call or a demo or what status is this lead at, things like that, where say I'm a sales rep and I have a big meeting with you know Tide and I'm trying to close the deal, but I don't remember who the main point of contact is for the account or what the most recent notes were, or were there any key objections that I may have missed about them working with our company or things like that, where I could just say, hey, so-and-so, or hey, whatever you name your tool, who is that person that I've been I've been emailing back with, back and forth with, for, with Tide? Okay, great. And like, what are the most, can you just like read me the most recent notes from our last call? So I have some more context or perspective as to kind of like where we left off. And so in a B2B sense, I think it can provide some real utility in terms of reading back some of the key data points that people are always on the go and struggling to find today. And then obviously we talked about chat bots earlier about customer service. I think that voice can do a lot to offload 
a lot of the things that chatbots are currently picking up the slack with today, which is, you know, you come to a site, maybe it's a train or a Delta and you want to look at your flight, be like, hey, do you guys have any, or what's the status on my flight or my flight tomorrow still on time or what gate am I going to? Or just like questions like that, that voice will be able to help surface uh, what you're looking for a lot faster. Absolutely. That's very exciting to hear. And I know that I'd personally love to use voice more in my day to day. So on that note, what have been some of the biggest challenges or barriers that you've seen in growing the mindshare and adoption around both voice and voices specifically? Yeah, so I think I think there are a few challenges, but they're obviously exciting opportunities at the same time, right? But the biggest challenge we we face as a company is getting people behind the idea that voice is going to be just as impactful as investing in mobile, which is what our belief is and where I personally think it's going to have the same impact. Where if you look at mobile 10 years ago, there were a few big players. The iPhone was introduced. Everyone was kind of like, oh, smartphones, I don't know what it's going to be, but the adoption numbers were there. So people are truly trying to pay attention to it and try to understand if this is a fad or if this is going to stick around. And people are at that phase right now where you're going to see in 2018, a ton more people and brands invest in voice to the point where that's that tipping over effect where you see like the galaxies introduced the Google Pixel, all of these people doubling down on what that mobile experience is like because they too realized that it wasn't just a fad, that it was something that was going to fundamentally change how we do something. And I think at first when you know Alexa came out, people thought, like, oh, this is going to be like the Apple Watch. People are going to buy it. Some people are going to have some utility with it. We're going to build apps and developers are going to get onto the platform and no one's going to use their skills, which like for the most part has been true. Not a lot of people have been using third-party skills, but the real-world use of a device to be able to ask play music and, and what's the weather and set a reminder and things like that, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg for some of this stuff because it's going to know a lot more about your preferences, who you are, and what you're interested in. We've already seen that with Alexa, but in terms of voices, we're seeing the opportunity specifically for these brands to own their own identity only as a brand and, and what that consumer experience is like. So if you're Ikea, maybe you say our brand is going to be a woman who speaks English but has a Swedish accent. And then you're going to be able to train all of this audio data based on somebody who speaks like that so that when somebody asks Ikea a question, the response they get back is in that brand identity that you've established. So the biggest challenge we've faced is kind of the educational part, which is, yes, not a lot of people are doing native voice experiences like we're doing. A lot of people are trying to build for you know the Alexas and the Google Homes of the world and trying to get more into the consumer's hands that way. And so we're, we're up for the challenge to get people bought into the fact that the smartphone isn't going away anytime soon. And that's the primary place where they're interacting with your brand, either socially or on a website or on a mobile app. And the opportunity for you to distinguish yourself against Amazon in a time where they're eating a lot more market share than they had been in the past. Already 55% of online transactions on Black Friday went directly to Amazon and they owned that part of the the revenue scale. So it's pretty intimidating when you think of what it takes to survive in e-commerce today. And that's where we feel we have the opportunity to help a lot of those brands make that comeback and establish themselves as long-term players with that investment. Wow. When you hear stats like that, you've really got to start to wonder how your brand can you know stand out and maintain a direct relationship with customers and fans. Totally. Yeah. And I think you start to read stories about like Generation Z and the, and the next generation of shoppers. And one thing that's really interesting is that this is 
this generation is probably one of the the most sensitive in terms of poor experiences that we've ever seen where you say, I go to a website or I go into a store and there's either a poor experience or they don't have what I'm looking for. And I don't care if that brand is memorable to me in whatever kind of the way, if it's Nike or if you know it's Adidas or whatever, if they don't have what I'm looking for, if for whatever reason, it's really hard for me to check out or do something. I think the there's like 80% of people will go to a competing or similar brand to find what they're looking for, regardless of affinity, which is super interesting because millennials, the big marketing push from retailers is that give them something to care about your brand because no matter what, if they can get behind your brand and they believe in the message, then they'll buy things from you and they'll stay with you forever if you continue to deliver on that promise. And I think that we're seeing a lot more people pay attention to the fact that we're realizing you can go to Amazon for almost everything. So where's the true value in going to your favorite brand? And I think those brands and retailers today are not only honing in on that narrative that distinct that separates themselves from the competition, but also trying to find innovative ways to make their platforms the place that people want to go. Those unique shopping experiences. I think you saw like IKEA and Wayfair and Pottery Barn have augmented reality furniture experiences. And that's been amazing because people are, you know, are playing with those in their homes and trying to go through couches and sofas and armchairs and all that great stuff. And then you have people like Patron who are creating an augmented reality experience to let you know kind of the history of the tequila that you're, you're most interested in. So everybody's experimenting with this stuff who understands that it's a competitive advantage. And I think that's the biggest key that retailers are going to have to think about is that this isn't going to be something that has immediate ROI. It's not... Uh, like you plug something in and it gives you back you know, money saved or customers acquired. That's not going to give you that number. We compare it to like, what was the value of not having a Facebook page, you know, 10 years ago. People today, if you go to a brand and they don't have a Facebook page or a Twitter following of any kind, you'd be like, oh, I don't know how legit they are. But 10 years ago, it was very early and brands were like, I don't know if I need a Facebook page or are my customers there? We don't know. And today, a lot of them have missed the boat if they didn't already have that experience. So we know that it were early relative to what people are experiencing and what they want today. But it's definitely something that's going to make brands have the upper hand when it comes to attracting uh, shoppers they might not have today or continue to keep the ones that have been floating around for some time. Yeah, definitely. That makes a ton of sense. So when we're talking about all these new types of technology like AR, VR, voice, what do you think the impact will be for the average e-commerce entrepreneur? Is this kind of stuff only for the big brands that you just mentioned? Yeah, so I think that obviously it depends on what company you're talking to. I think for us, our vision has always been to democratize voice and to make it as easy as possible for mom and pop shops all the way up to Fortune 100 brands who want to get their hands through with voice to be able to have a really easy way to at least start from ground zero and have that MVP of what a voice enabled experience might look like on their site. And what's really interesting is that we've had a mix of, of interest on both sides of the house, you know, developers looking to, to get their hands dirty as well as the big brands that are like, we need to focus on this, make this a priority. But with AR, and VR, I think it's all situational and things that are really interesting to your brand. So if you think of like Carlo's Bakery, you know, that was really famous on Cake Boss and, and on TV here. And it was one of those things where if they didn't have that, potentially like they could have benefited from an AR experience where you could kind of swipe through the cupcakes before you bought them and, and learn more about each one. Or even when you're at home and you had a headset on, you could go and, and walk into the store and, and see what the atmosphere was like instead of, you know, buying a plane ticket to New Jersey and trying to to go in your 
yourself. So I think that the great thing about these technologies is they give everyone kind of a Swiss army knife of opportunity and, and options when it comes to ways that they can really improve the customer experience because at the core, these technologies are only beneficial if they're used in a way that customers find value in and utility in. And so with voice, it's a lot of testing and trial and error and saying, do you think you would add groceries to your shopping cart using your voice? And if the answer is yes, then you build a team around it. You try to launch it like a new feature and you and you understand what is your MVP feature look like? And then what is a immersive experience look like where someone says, I want to add bounty paper towels, orange juice, Cape Cod potato chips, and a dozen eggs to my cart. And then you look at it and you say, okay, add those to my cart. These look great. I want them shipped to my home address tonight. And then you pick a window that you can have them delivered, maybe Instacart, maybe it's Jet. And then, you know, that's that process has taken you a minute, if that where previously it would take a lot longer. So uh, I think the great thing about all these technologies is they give everybody the opportunity to have one more way of leveling the playing field. And even better, because they're so new, being a first mover is extremely valuable. I think if you look at augmented reality, when IKEA was one of the first brands to launch an AR app, when Apple came out with iOS 11, I think that they immediately got a ton more downloads in the in the app store than any other brand because they were a first mover. And so I think the same thing can be said for voice or whether it's VR or whatever it may be, when you're able to say, we understand that this is not a fad, we understand this is going to fundamentally change how somebody experiences something, our brand, somebody else's brand, a certain product, then we allocate resources behind it. We try to make that as good as we possibly can for at least an initial rollout and get people talking, get their feedback, and then make it part of the core product or the core digital experience. And, and that's where I think a lot of companies are transitioning at this point. And that's why I think it's super exciting to see how this is going to play out. In 2018, you'll see a lot more of those examples. Absolutely. That sounds very exciting. And so, as you mentioned earlier, Voices is just a few weeks shy of its first birthday. So what's next for Voices in 2018? The biggest thing we're looking to do is is get some people on the platform and successful with it. So we don't have any customers that we can share just yet. We're, we're working with a lot of great folks, all of whom you would know if I said their name. We're trying to make sure we get that, get that experience right for them because the only company that has native voice search enabled in their app today is Amazon and it's powered by Alexa. So we realize that there's really no one else in the market who's doing this. So we want to make sure we get that right. So, you know, kind of the biggest goal for us is is customer success, making sure that we get a lot of these uh, customers to be successful using voices, to be using voice in their apps, and that it's as successful as an experience for their customers as it is for us helping them with that. So that's the first part. The second part is we want to really define what voice as a service is. And what I mean by that is our approach was, I come from obviously as a marketer, I love the SaaS world and, and selling software products that are really easy for somebody to just try themselves, buy themselves. And the best part is if you don't talk to somebody and you go through that entire process and you say, wow, this this customer went through our entire flow and they found real utility in our product and we didn't even have to talk to them and they were ready to sign up and, and pay. And I think our biggest goal is that we make it really easy for somebody to come to the Voices site, input their product catalog data and their search history, which is some of the things that we build our, our models off of today and make it really easy for them to start implementing it from day one and they can play with it themselves. And that way the conversation goes away from what kind of experience do you envision this being to them saying, we've already tried to play around with this and here's where we find the most value in it. Can you guys help us get us to that, you know, last 20% of the experience we're lacking? So in the immediate term, it's, you know, customer success, making sure the product experience is as great as possible and as self-service as possible. And then I think you're going to start to see us do a lot more than e-commerce. I think there's a lot of other interesting verticals for us that make a ton of sense as it relates to those companies using voice. So our main focus right now is 
is commerce, but it's not going to be the only one that we, uh, we help customers succeed in. That's really exciting. I'm looking forward to following along and see how you guys are able to build out this market and experience over the coming months. Totally. I think voice, for a lot of companies who are building voice strategies are, are definitely early compared to a lot of their, their peers. So that's why it's exciting because it's both a, a new investment on their part, the company's part. But for those who can actually see the real utility and the, and the impact it will have on their business and on the customer experience, especially as we move to this new age where everybody kind of is expecting ways where you can interact with something as, as easy and as seamless as possible, I think it's going to be huge. I also think that one point I always make is that I don't think we would be where we're at in terms of a society that's accepting of this if it wasn't for Alexa. I think that Amazon did a great job getting us to speak to something, being comfortable to talk to a speaker, to a device and say, hey, Alexa, what is this song? Or can you remind me to do this or whatnot? And, and Siri was always there, but I don't think Siri got that experience, right? I think Siri was always very much a like triple opt-in experience. We had to go unlock your phone, press a microphone button, make sure you're holding it down. Like early variations were very cumbersome. And Amazon came in and said, we're going to have a wake word. We're going to have the speaker. It does a bunch of stuff for you. And I remember people like, I don't know, it's like not super expensive, but it's like kind of pricey. And I'm willing to just throw this in my kitchen and see how it does. And now they have almost 80% of the entire market of smart speaker penetration. And they've sold almost, I think, 30 million smart speakers in the US alone this year, which is crazy to think about. And that's why the exciting part for retailers is the fact that I think about 1% of retailers were thinking about voice at the beginning of the year. And we just came out with the research report, which I think you may have heard about on the Future Commerce podcast, which said that almost 50% of retailers are thinking about voice now. And that's in one year, right? So I think you're going to start to see a lot more people deploy voice experiences on their on their websites and mobile apps. And then you're going to start to see that number rise even more. And the things that they're going to do with voice are going to be that much more impactful. Really cool. So I know that you just mentioned that report and we've been talking about apps like, you know, the IKEA experience, but are there any other apps or other resources that you'd recommend to people who are looking to learn more about the space or get more involved? Yeah, so there are a few sites that I peruse every day. So shameless shout out, you should go to our blog. I try to put out a blog a week that's either an interesting take on voice and e-commerce or, or just the voice space in general and, and what its impact will be. But if you're interested in learning more about voice, there are a couple great news sites and resources. So the first one is voicebot.ai. They do a really good job of covering the latest news and they publish an article or a couple articles every day. They also have a podcast. They put out some voice stats based on some things that they've gathered in the field based on you know Alexa usage and how many skills did you know people develop for Google Home this month and you're really able to keep a pulse on what's happening with voice another one is voicefirst.fm is another great podcast they actually recently had Gary Vaynerchuk as uh, as the host for the wrapping up of their voice roundtable for season 1 so that was super exciting aside from that if you're interested in, in learning more about what's happening in the retail space i think there's a lot of really interesting companies that are writing about it that aren't the you know tech crunches and the recodes i think if you look at chain storage and retail dive and retail touch points. I think if you just follow a Twitter feed of those folks, you'll start to see how Toys R Us is experimenting with augmented reality or how Poshmark is using voice to better enable quick filtering in their mobile app. And, and they're really trying to make themselves be on the cutting edge of those developments because I think they would agree that it's really exciting to see happen. And then, of course, just you know the all the, all the tech news sites are really great to keep abreast on, on that sort of stuff, as well as Google alerts for certain keywords and things you're most interested in. That's a great list of resources, and we'll make sure that we link to those in the show notes. So we've covered a bunch of different things throughout the course of the episode. Do you have any final thoughts or words of advice to leave us with? 
one of the biggest things I'd like to hear from the audience is are things that they're most interested in with voice. I think that when you work for a company that focuses on a very specific solution to solving a problem that a lot of verticals or one vertical in our case for e-commerce might have, we might not be you know listening as best we can to all the other use cases and things that folks might find interesting. So I think one question I might have for your audience, if I'm allowed to, to ask a question at the end, is it's kind of like, what experiences do you guys see being really really impactful in your day-to-day life, whether it's in particular verticals. So maybe listening to music, watching TV, scrolling through Netflix, whatever it might be, all the way to give us feedback on, you know, our position and our stance of what we're building. I think it could be really cool to be collaborative with this stuff. Yeah, that's a really cool question to ask at the end of the show. And I'm excited to see what responses we get back on that. But it's been awesome having you on the show. So Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us and share your insights on Voices. Really enjoyed having you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Franco. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Commerce Growth Lab is recorded and produced by me. There's no massive team behind it, and so I'd love your help in growing the show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. You can find out more about the show, our guests, and everything commerce-related by visiting our site at www.commercegrowthlab.com. Follow us on Twitter at commgrowthlab, that's com with two Ms, or join the community on Facebook at Commerce Growth Lab. We couldn't do the show without your awesome support, so thanks for listening.